Welcome back to the Okie Sports Roundup. We are 2-0 here in the Sooner and Cowboys State. John, it's great to be with you. Tim is absent on dad duty. <laughs> we have a great podcast here for you today, nonetheless. John, always good to be with you. Michael, it's great to be with you as well. It's also great to not be on dad duty. I put my kid down about an hour ago, and he is still sleeping. So uh, I'm excited to talk some football and not have Tim nag me about the Sooners being not overrated. Well, John, um, some parents are responsible and other parents aren't. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't imagine having an infant awake at this hour of the evening uh, and kind of what the psychological ramifications in the future will be. But oh, nonetheless, here we go, John. Let's start <laughs> Let's start with the Sooners, okay? Yeah. We started All with the right. Cowboys last week. Let's start with the Sooners. John, did you get a chance to catch the game? It's okay if you didn't. It was on ESPN+. Plus. I did, and like I said last week, I've got friends that are OU fans, and you know it was actually on 30 minutes before Oklahoma State, but I sat up in my garage, had two TVs out there, uh, and was actually kind of keeping an eye on the OU game. Granted, didn't watch it near as closely as I did Oklahoma State, but I did get a chance to watch it. Um, Michael, I I don't know kind of what your thoughts were, but I think, you know, just someone tuning in at at halftime and you're a little concerned, right? Because it was 7-3 OU at half. Yeah, definitely. You know, I actually did a very similar setup to you. It just wasn't in my garage, but had both games (laughs) on. Okay, not all of us are doctors, Michael. Well, well, I I don't have a garage because I live in an apartment. (laughs) <laughs> but, but okay <laughs> threw that right back in my face didn't you so so uh, y- you've one up to me uh but uh no you know i i watched the ou game obviously with a closer than the osu game and man i was a bit concerned listen i mean i never was in doubt that ou was gonna win the game that to yeah. me was always OU's gonna end up with more points than kent state right and I know that we're going to say that, hey, the, the group of five teams really showed up on Saturday and played really well. And I know that Kent was, I think, in the MAC champion. I think they were MAC champions last year and yeah. championship game. You know, I, I get it that they're not a D2 school. OK, they're not Jacksonville Dental Community College. But. I expected a lot more, and and Kent State ran the ball very well. Kent State outrushed Oklahoma, 164 yards for Kent State on the ground, 134 for OU, and that is those 164 yards include a 30-yard um, tackle for loss that was a safety, right, or a sack for a safety. So Kent State actually ran the ball pretty well. Um, they had times where they controlled the clock, and they had times where they really controlled the line of scrimmage. John, I mentioned last week that OU was going to – or I saw um, UTEP attack Billy Bowman on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Kent State did the same thing, uh, and he makes the tackles. He's right there. I mean he had a good – he wraps up well and tackles pretty immediately. But he – they are going to continue to throw at him. Kent State did it. UTEP did it. And they're completions, man. I mean they're they're there. Um, so at halftime it was – you know, it was a bit of a snooze fest and – there was some concern, and I can't help before I get too far into it, but think, man, if if they don't play much better, th- this is not going to go well the uh, for the rest of the year. No, I agree. I mean, it it seemed like the offense though for OU sleptwalked until 
right before halftime when they decided, all right, we're down 3-0, let's speed yeah. up. And, and I, I want to say it was like the last minute maybe they went yeah. five plays, marched down the field and scored, and you're like, okay, this is what it should be yeah. all the time. And, and I don't know why it took so long to get going. Maybe it's, you know, they looked at the schedule and they're like, well, we got a at least a name brand that we're playing next week. And we've got Kent state, right. Who entered the, from the Mac. And I think the Mac's a pretty good conference, but um, maybe that's what it was. I, I don't really know. Um, I mean, I haven't been that overly impressed with OU's offense so far this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think we all can agree. We didn't expect Dylan Gabriel to come, you know, be another Heisman trophy candidate. Well, right. Tim maybe did, but, I think most of us didn't. And so, yeah, you know, I think that probably plays a factor too. And then again, I, I think we've talked about it many a times on this podcast, but Lincoln Riley is the best play caller in America. And when you yeah. lose the best play caller in America, you're going to take a step back regardless of who's a quarterback and, and yes. how good of, you know, playmakers you've got. So, I mean, I was encouraged with how they finished the half. And then obviously, you know, like you mentioned, it was never really in doubt. Um, they put up 24 points in the third quarter and then kind of just took control and coasted the rest of the way. So, you know, I was concerned with how they started, but not overly concerned with how they finished. So I'm trying not to read too much into this game, just like we said in week one. Yeah, no, and, and that's fair. And, and you know, kudos, you you brought up a great point. Oh, he was down 3-0. There was less than a – there's about a minute remaining. Uh, I'm going to give kudos to Brett Venables for taking a timeout and forcing yeah. State to punt the football. I think a yeah. lot of head coaches probably would have just said, let's get to halftime. And he said, no, let's be aggressive. And they found Marvin Mims on almost the entire drive, wide open, down the field, deep passes and connections, and he eventually got the touchdown. So I, I was very proud of the decision to call timeout when I think a lot of coaches, even against a Mac opponent, probably would have said not worth risking an interception. And uh, I thought that Marvin Mims getting involved was good as well because, you know, he he actually wasn't targeted all that much last year, John. And, and I don't know if a lot of people know this. Marvin Mims was going to leave if Lincoln Riley stayed hmm. uh, because he said I just wasn't getting targets. I wasn't being involved in the game plan as much as I thought I should be, uh, which was kind of, you know, interesting. And, and, John, you're right. I mean, the offense has taken a step back for sure. Uh, they showed some signs of life. They have some skill makers and playmakers, um, but but you are whether OU fans like to admit it or not. I mean, you're going to not be as good offensively when you don't have Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley. Yes. Yeah, so now Michael OU gets a Nebraska team that just fired Scott Frost, and I know you've got some some thoughts on that that yeah. we'll let you discuss here in a moment, but. You know, last week we talked about, you know, who was the better non-conference opponent, Arizona State or Nebraska, and we'll get into OSU, Arizona State. But you look at Nebraska and you're like, <laughs> what they would probably lose to Kent State. They would probably lose to Central Michigan. Yeah. What What are we looking for in this game? I mean, is this another game where you're just saying, all right, guys, get through it. Don't get any major injuries and let's move on to the next week or – are you looking for, for OU to come in and, and put a stamp on this early and say, hey, we got no issues on offense. We're going to move the ball, and we're going to get back to the old way of doing things. Let, let me tell you, John, if I'm the Sooners coaching staff this week, I am doing everything I can to impress upon that team 
that this Nebraska team is going to come out and beat them. And you're probably saying, Michael, what? how could you even think that? This is a trap game for Oklahoma. This has the makings of Oklahoma loses this game. And I'll tell wow. you why. Nebraska is a dumpster fire. I mean, firing Scott Frost when he has one game left till his October 1st buyout, which would reduce the buyout from $15 million to $7.5 million. They fired him. Perplexing, right? Yep. Some stuff has come out, John, that Scott Frost was showing up late to practice, wasn't calling recruits back. And I don't know if that's true or speculation, but apparently the coaching staff went to the athletic director and said he needs to be fired. Mm. Knowing full well that with only one game between him and October 1st, which everyone was expecting to be a loss, the buyout would have been reduced by 50%. I know there's a lot of money in college football, John. $7.5 million is a lot of money, though. And it is. It's nothing that no athletic department doesn't at least think about. And so for them to fire Scott Frost when they did, knowing it cost them more money, actually somewhat concerns me, and it means they're doing it to breathe life into the program. Hmm. Players in college respond historically pretty well to an interim coaching change, right? They, these mid, mid-season yeah. coaching changes. Ed Orgeron at USC, um, I, I mean, he was very successful. Many thought he would get the job there after Sarkeesian was fired. Uh, a lot of a lot of these coaches um, that get fired mid-season find a way to the interim finds a way to connect with the team. And inspire them. They also often keep the playbook much simpler. They often say, hey, what are eight or ten plays we do really well? We're going to perfect those. We're going to run those eight or ten plays 30 times. And we're going to make the schemes a little bit more friendly to you. So Nebraska's been a dumpster fire. They aren't small. They have athletes. I know people say, well, they don't have eight, five stars. Okay, very few teams do. But they've got a lot of four stars and three stars who are big guys and who are athletic. They're not, they're not, you know, UCO. Um, and so if OU plays the way they played against Kent State, and you have an inspired Nebraska team coming out, that's going to be a game OU loses. So if I'm the coach, if I'm Brent Venables, I am saying all I can to hype up this Nebraska team to really get the players focused and to get the players with the mentality, with a kill mentality early on. Cause if OU gets up 14-0, 17-0 early on, that is it. Game, the game is over and it will be the slaughter we expect it to be. But man, they better come out fierce, prepared, good fundamental football, and they better be ready because Nebraska is going to be ready at home amidst the turmoil that has happened this week. Mm. So the line is OU minus 11. Are you yeah. are you saying it's going to be tighter than that, or are you even saying Nebraska wins? You know, so I think first off, I'll say everyone knows I'm an I'm an OU grad. I'm an OU fan. I want OU to win 55 or 65 to zero. That's what mm-hmm. I want, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm hopeful for. What I think is going to happen is. OU either wins by four or five scores, or the game is less than 11 points away. 
Like, period. I mean, I mean, OU's not going to win by 17. OU's not going to win by 20. OU either slaughters them, or this game is we're in the fourth quarter and we're wondering which direction is this game going to go. If I am betting, I probably bet Nebraska this week. I'm, not, I'm staying away from the game, but I probably bet Nebraska. Yeah. Well, listen, I'll, I'll be happy if I mean obviously. I want OU to kill them. If OU doesn't, I just want OU to have one more point. But if I'm someone going to Vegas, I'm saying, you know what? Nebraska at home with all of this and how OU has looked against UTEP and Kent State, and I get it. OU's done some really good things defensively against those schools. They've done some good things offensively, and Nebraska is bad. I will admit it. But, man, Nebraska's more talented athletically than both of those schools they've played. And there have been times where there's been cracks in OU that you could exploit. You know, a couple of thoughts, I think, for me. Uh, I obviously don't have a pulse on the Nebraska faithful. So I, I don't know if this is a situation where, you know, the fan base rallies around the team or not. Um, it's an 11 a.m. kick. And yeah. so, you know, I, I'll be curious to see. It's at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. Um, is it going to be packed? Is it going to be close to a sellout? Or is this going to be a situation where the fans have given up on the program and they've thrown in the towel for the season? And I mean, that in and of itself will play a huge role in the momentum going into this game. Um, yeah. You know, I think you made a good point about coaching changes midseason. And, and I think teams do rally around the fact that they're, you know, under siege, so to speak. And so they, they've got something to play for, a chip on their shoulder, so to speak. But if they run out the tunnel and, you know, there's 20,000 people in the sands in a, in a stadium that seats 85,000, I mean, that's going to be pretty demoralizing right off the bat, right? Well, so, I yeah. mean, I think, I think I'm interested to see what that looks like. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I would say, to your point, OU has played really good defensively this year. And Oklahoma State was a perfect example of you can have a phenomenal defense and a mediocre offense and almost yeah. win the Big 12. So, you know, I, I'm not overly concerned with OU to this point. You know, I know I gave them a hard time against UTEP last week, but that was only because Tim just loves to blow smoke up their butt. So sure. I had to do it the other way. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm still probably taking OU in this game. I, I, you know, I understand your concern and, I would probably be feeling the same way if I was an OU fan, but from an outsider looking in, I, I'm feeling pretty good if I'm OU still. Yeah, I mean, and, and hopefully. Um, you know, I, I do think that Nebraska will sell out. I mean, they were packed for Georgia Southern, who's not good. It's a historic rivalry. Nebraska's fans are, I got to say, probably some of the best fans in college football. I mean, they've been selling out that stadium despite them being awful recently. But, uh, yeah, and, and you know, the Casey Thompson – has experience against Oklahoma. He understands this this team, and so he's not not untalented. But you're right. I mean, I hope, John, I hope you're right. I, I hope Oklahoma covers. I hope Oklahoma goes in and dominates. I think Oklahoma <laughs> has the potential, um, but, but I would be real cautious if Oklahoma doesn't get up early. Mm. Um, now, John, you know, moving on to um, Oklahoma State, Obviously, they played what I now think was was a good game against Arizona State. And we talked about is Arizona State or Nebraska better out of conference row. And now I'd probably say Arizona State. 
um, you know, recognizing that Emory Jones is on their roster. Tell me some of your thoughts about the game, John. I mean, it, it was one that was a little bit back and forth, um, mm. but uh, I think one where Oklahoma State really started to assert themselves. Yeah, I actually uh, had probably one beer too many, so I went back and watched it a second time um, on YouTube. There's no uh, such thing as one beer too many. You're right. You know, I, it, it was a very slow start for Oklahoma State, much like for OU. Uh, I mean, in Arizona State pretty much controlled the line of scrimmage uh, from a defensive standpoint and forced Oklahoma State early on anyway into a lot of third and longs, and, and that played a major factor uh, kind of slowing the game down a little bit uh, because, you know, if you're stuffing the run on first and second down, it's hard to go up-tempo, which is what Oklahoma State loves to do. And so, you know, I think the the game really changed when Oklahoma State really started leaning on Dominic Richardson. Yeah. Uh, who, you played know, well. yeah, he played incredibly well, and, and he's got such a cool story. You know, originally he committed to TCU. Kind of some weird stuff happened. TCU pulled the scholarship, and so he ended up coming to Oklahoma State, um, sat behind Jalen Warren last year. Um, and, and so pretty cool that he's getting the opportunity now to be the guy. Uh, and then, you know, Oklahoma State's defense, what I wanted to see was them take a major step forward from the game against Central Michigan. And you know, I, I still think the secondary is a bit of a liability right now, yeah. but the defensive line just looked incredible. And I Trace, mean, Trace Ford, Tyler Lacey, Brock Martin. I mean, it is a stack. Colin Oliver, it is a stacked defensive line that, that yeah. flies around. And, and that was something that I think, you know, obviously love getting the win. It was a situation, too, where, like, even when we were down 3-0 early, I wasn't like – we could lose this game. It never felt that way. Yeah. Um, and so it was fun to watch another guy. I think that deserves some credit that, that is flying majorly under the radars, Mason Cobb, who's come in and basically filled the Malcolm Rodriguez role at linebacker. I don't know if you've watched any clips of him, but no hesitation. He flies through holes. I mean, he has looked like the real deal and he's someone that probably gets overlooked because the defensive line kind of steals the headlines, but Man, I mean, it was a good game. Um, glad that Oklahoma State got the win. It got rainy. It kind of yeah. got cold. Um, so, you know, that probably played a factor as well. But all in all, I think everyone came out healthy, and you get the win, and you move on. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, a few things interesting, John. Uh, one, the defensive line was ultra impressive. I mean, you watch, I watched that unit, and I said, man, they haven't taken a step back at all. They, they are the strength right now of this team. And they're a formidable uh, force. Uh, you know, you you are right. I thought Oklahoma State tackled well. I thought the linebackers tackled well and, and did attack the holes. A little disappointed Spencer Sanders threw an interception. Um, I'm, I am going to keep an eye on that. It, it was a not great throw. Yeah, it was bad. It wasn't like a you know a tip pass or the receiver ran the wrong route. You can I can forgive the quarterback for those. It was, uh, it was a mistake that he probably shouldn't have made as, as a fifth year. But balanced game from Oklahoma State. And, and, John, you mentioned something about OU that I think is true for OSU, and, and we're not kind of used to this. We're not used to the offenses of these schools being not as good as the defenses. Yeah. And, and I know Oklahoma State last year obviously started this trend, and OU thus far this year has continued it. But 33-3 – 
and 34 to 17 seems disappointing to Oklahoma State and Oklahoma fans. Sure. Yeah. Because they're they're used to putting up 42 points or 58 mm-hmm. points, right? They're they're used to scoring in bunches and quick and with exciting, dazzling plays. Uh, but you know, is 34 to 17 or 33 to three any worse than 48 to 24? No, right? I mean, they're they're yeah. kind of the same. It's yeah. just how your the difference, the margin is. And as we saw last year. John, I think if Oklahoma State hadn't played Bedlam the week before the Big 12, I think they're Big 12 champions and they're going to the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. I think they just had a hangover. And so these defensive-minded teams, as we now know, yeah, you you have to have a good offense. You have to score. But you need the defense to play, and, and you need the defense to control the game and to really clamp down and be very efficient on third down and get – the opponent set up in unfavorable positions, and Oklahoma State did that. Um, even when Arizona State was up 3-0 and they made completed some big passes, never once was I in doubt about the Oklahoma State game. I said, no, Oklahoma State's going to grind this out. Arizona State's going to get worn down. Oklahoma State's going to continue to control the line of scrimmage, and they're going to be all right. And, and as the third quarter came, the fourth quarter game, man, Oklahoma State certainly did that. Yeah, they they certainly did that. I mean, you know, I was just sitting here thinking about your example of kind of OU taking the defensive approach more so than offense and how that will translate to the SEC and and I think I think the coaching change happened at the perfect time um for that reason. I think you know, you looked at the OU squad under Lincoln Riley and yeah, they could put up a bunch of points and yeah, they looked incredible on offense, but the defense was just awful. Um, and you can't have that in in the sec i mean you know i I think you maybe could look at a mike leach type deal right like yeah his teams can put up a bunch of points but they can't stop anybody but if you look at you know maybe a the one team that is kind of close is clemson right because they've had some good offenses but they've got they had incredible defenses and were able to beat Alabama. And so maybe that is what you need to be successful moving yeah. over to the SEC. And so maybe Brent Venables is the guy. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. It, I mean, it's going to be interesting. And, and, you know, I mean, I think OU fans are paying close attention to what USC is doing this year. And, and USC has looked good offensively and has really actually, I mean, they've look, they looked great offensively. They haven't played anyone. Yeah. But the, and they're winning games by a lot of points. But when you look at the stats and you look, holy shit, Stanford ran for that many yards against the USC defense. You start to wonder, Alex, I mean, you start to think that, man, Alex Grinch wasn't it. And maybe in last year, John, you had kind of started to mention that, hey, when are we going to start saying that he just isn't performing? He's not yeah, getting yeah. the team up to standard. And, and, right. and so, you know, it. OU fans are going to have an adjustment because we are going to miss the Lincoln Riley. Um, and, and OSU fans, I remember the 2010, 2011, 2012 Oklahoma State Cowboys with a lot of uh, good memories, a lot of great offensive plays. Mm-hmm. We're going to see less of those from these teams, but I think both of these teams are better. And I think you're going to see a, little, a strong defensive present from both of these units. And that's going to be important going forward in conference play, Big 12, SEC, whatever. I think you're starting to see a little bit of a resurgence of you, you need to have a good defensive – you need to have solid defensive mind. Yeah. Um, and and uh, Oklahoma State, you know, 
I know that we said last, you know, last week they didn't look so great, and there were some things this week, but defense looks like it's coming together really well, and um, I trust that Spencer Sanders is going to do well and the running game is going to do well, and I think they're going to settle. You know, last year Oklahoma State didn't start off great, and they had one of the most successful years they've ever had, and were a half a yard away from playing in the college football playoff as Big 12 champions. Mm-hmm. So, um. You know, I mean, I, I think you got to be glad of what happened in Stillwater. Now, this week, John, I, I have no question. It's Oklahoma State's playing Arkansas Pine Bluff. They're going to kill them. Yeah, I mean, unless you're A&M and you're playing Appalachian yeah, State, uh, I, I I, would like to say I'm not thinking twice about it. But after that, I'm kind of thinking twice about it. No, I mean, you know, last week we, we said how many touchdowns does – the little Gundy throw this year. Well, this is his opportunity, I think, to, to yeah. get a few touchdowns. I mean, this is a game that hopefully starters are all out by halftime. Yeah. Um, and, and you're just trying to kind of keep the ball moving. And then you get a week off and then you have maybe one of the best games on your, on your schedule. And that's Baylor, um, yeah. October one. So, you know, it's it is massively key to keep people healthy in this game and to just get out of it with a win. So absolutely, absolutely. I, I won't read anything into it. I hope all the freshmen get to play and we just move on. Yeah. Speaking of Baylor, kind of wish they had won. Uh, I know. Saturday night. Cl- close game. You know, BYU, let me tell you, that's going to be a fun team in this conference. Uh, they're coming yeah. next year. So, you know, we better get ready for it. And uh, I think they're going to be a good team, though, in the conference. I think they're the only team I'm excited about. At yeah, it. you know, I, I don't care to go see Houston. I mean, right. Right. Yeah. I don't care for UCF, really. Um, yep. Cincinnati, I don't really want to go to a game in Cincinnati. And no offense, yeah. they have great chili. But, like, don't you kind of want to go to a game at BYU? I do. Yeah, yeah. In the like, mountains there, yeah. yeah. I mean, isn't yeah, that going to be incredible. a cool atmosphere? I mean, you're mm-hmm. going to have trouble finding somewhere to party afterwards, but you'll, you know, I guess just bring stuff with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's going to be a neat environment. And really, BYU fans are solid fans. And so they, they've always been a pretty proud program, and they're going to show up. So I am excited to watch BYU in the Big 12 and to get to play against them. I don't know how long that's going to be. Uh, I don't know if you've yeah. seen some of the stuff coming out, but – May only be one year. Um, we'll we'll figure that out though as time tells. John, uh, did you watch the Alabama Texas game at all? I did. Uh, I, like apparently ten and a half million other people. Uh, yeah. It was like the most watched game thus far. Uh, yeah. I don't know what I think about it, Michael. I don't know if Texas is back or if Alabama is just not that good or maybe a little bit somewhere in between. Um, yeah. It was a weird game, but but it was kind of like I talked about with Nebraska, right? Like Texas sold out Darrell yeah. K. Royal Stadium in probably the first time in 10 years. Uh, that's yeah. probably not true. Some Texas fan will tell us we're wrong. But, you know, that played a major factor. And in, in they talked about it on the broadcast about how Alabama has really struggled um, on the road against major programs. And, you know, they talked about – how they lost on the road in College Station last year, and, and a large part of it is playing in those tough environments. And I mean, that was probably a hundred thousand people there playing in front of, and yeah. it looked clear that they were not up to the task. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think that 
it reminds me that these are college players. Mm. They are amateurs. I know they're getting NIL. I know that maybe they've been paid under the table for many years before that. I get all that. And that they mm-hmm. that they're very talented, no doubt. What they do is incredible. They are still amateurs. And NFL teams don't change that much on the road. Yeah. And they may not play as well, but 15 penalties. Will Anderson lined up offsides three times and had a personal foul in addition to that. We're talking about one of the best players in college football who may win the Heisman Trophy or at least is in the buzz for being up for the Heisman Trophy. And he is a phenomenal athlete. Yeah. Four penalties. Yeah. Um, Texas probably should have won that game. Well, if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt, Texas wins that game easily. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and I think as to what does it say about the teams, you know, I said last week that I was worried about the Red River in Texas, and I really thought OU was going to lose this year. And and I do stand by that after watching that game. I think it says both. I think it it says to me Alabama isn't as good as they're supposed to be. They are not the Alabama of 2014, 2015, 2016. Wide receiver play was abysmal. Offensive line play was abysmal. Um, the defense was the only – the defense and Bryce Young. Bryce Young, hell yeah. of a player. My gosh, how he got out of that sack, I don't know. Um, but Texas is going to be better this year. Um, and, and I think if Quinn Ewers had played, which, by the way, I have zero doubt in my mind he will play in the Red River game. I know everyone's saying, oh, four to six weeks. It's his non-throwing shoulder. He's going to be out there. I can't imagine a scenario where he's not. Mm. Um, And so I think Texas is going to be good. Do I think they're going to win the Big 12? Um, No. I don't think they're there yet from a maturity standpoint. But I think Texas is going to turn some heads this year, and they're going to really surprise some people. Yeah. It kind of sucks that Quinn Quinn Ewers got hurt, man. I mean – Agreed. Do do you have a crazy stat, John? Alabama and Texas have played 10 times. You know what the record in that series is? No, I don't. It is, I'm going to go from an Alabama perspective. Two wins, seven losses, one tie. Wow. Yeah, that is surprising. The two losses are the most two recent games, Saturday and the national championship of 2010. In both of those, Texas's starting quarterback got hurt and was knocked out. Mm. Mm. Wow. And you just got to think, man, I mean, Texas fans are going to say they've always been saying, man, what if Colt McCoy had played in the that championship game? And, and they're going to mm. be saying that about this one, too. Yeah, I mean, they'll they'll get a chance to play Alabama in a year or two. So, yeah, that's true. It'll, it'll become a more frequent matchup. And and this wasn't exactly a year that you're like, oh, yeah, Texas is going to make the college football playoff now. Right. Could they? You know, in the next couple of years, keep building something. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not ready to say Texas is back. Uh, I'm I'm still not as high on their bandwagon. I mean, you saw the drop off in play once Quinn Ewers went out. I mean, they basically yeah. did nothing on offense after that. So, you know, a lot rides on his shoulders, literally and figuratively. Um, so, how long does he stay at Texas? Too. I mean, he's probably a guy that's going to go make a bunch of money in the NFL, and he's yeah. been out of He's been out of high school one year. 
Yeah. This is his second year, so he really only has one more year left. And you're like, yeah. okay, you know, we'll, we'll see what he does and we'll see what Texas looks like. Granted, they got the commit for Arch Manning coming in, uh, right? In the Arch? Yeah, it, it is. It's yeah. Arch, yeah, Arch Manning. Um, so, I mean, is he the real deal? I don't know. But Texas is always going to get dudes. It's just whether or not they can coach them up. So yeah. we'll see. I'm still keeping my, you know. And, and, and that's fair. Table. That's fair because Texas has done this every year for the last seven years, right? They've right. won a big right. non-conference game. They beat you know, they beat Notre Dame when Notre Dame was good, LOL yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, went like six and six that year. So, so right. they've. They had issues last year with finishing in the second half as well, and so that's a that's a maturity in coaching, and we'll see if that continues. Or, I mean, heck, it was easy for them to be motivated all four quarters in this game. They yep. can be motivated in all four quarters against TCU, right? Uh, they can right. be motivated in all motivated in all four quarters against, uh, you know, Kansas or West Virginia or Texas Tech. Maybe not. Yeah. So, so the, they they are going to have to show that they improve before anyone says they're back, and I don't disagree with that. Yeah. John, last thing I want to talk about: Sun Belt had itself a day. <laughs> Three wins on the road, two of them against top ten teams. What was your favorite one? I mean, here's the thing: I I don't know if I am truly. I don't know what my thoughts are on these kind of non power five schools playing well i it's like can you read that much into it or or not you know it's it's hard to say i mean i loved watching notre dame lose to marshall yeah but but you're also like i don't i never thought notre dame was that good definitely not good enough to to have the number eight overall ranking you know and it's like oklahoma state beat them last year pretty soundly and they have a new head coach so why are they ranked ahead of oklahoma state i don't get it um i mean i love seeing a&m lose but i never was like yeah a&m's a top 10 team like yeah they've been they have been overrated you everyone knows that i hate them that i hate their rating i i'm like what the f is wrong with a&m like why do they why do people love them we talked about this last week like i just don't understand preseason rankings i think you should wait at yeah. least at least six weeks, probably yeah. eight, and then yeah. rank teams, and that then you'll have a better idea of who's good and who's not. It's true, it's true because then you 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 create these, and listen, people are still going to watch the games if no one's ranked. I mean, people are going to be excited about Ohio State Notre Dame whether they're five and eight or un or unranked versus unranked. I mean, yeah. people are gonna still tune in. It's not going to yeah. affect the viewership. And so I, I agree with you, John. I mean, it's it's really become comical, and we're seeing that. I mean, we had Alabama as the unanimous number one, and mm-hmm. boy, does Georgia look better than them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we said that Ohio State and uh, you know Notre Dame were going to be phenomenal, and Notre Dame is horrible, and Ohio State looks okay. Oklahoma looks okay. I mean, right? Like, they don't look like these. U.S. Yeah. looks okay. But these teams are ranked in the top ten, and right? And you're like, all right, but they don't they don't look that great, right? Like, yeah. BYU looks better than all those schools I mentioned. If I'm just being honest with you, BYU Absolutely. has played more impressively than the rest of those schools I mentioned. Yeah. But 
because they're BYU, they're only ranked, I don't know, 13th or 14th. Mm-hmm. Because they were ranked 25 to start the year, right? I, I think that's right. the detriment of it, and I think that's where a lot of people have issues is when you start the year unranked or low-ranked, you're climbing an uphill battle even if you continue to win. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, last year going into Bedlam, OSU was ranked seven. Okay, they had one loss at that point. Um, and had they been ranked eight to start the year, they probably would have been ranked number five or four at that point in the year, right? Mm-hmm. We, we've seen OU late in the year with one loss ranked in the top four because they started out the year ranked number five or number six. And so when they lost, they didn't fall too far, and they were able to go all the way back up easier. And so I I do agree we should probably pump the brakes on this preseason rankings, and I do think we should wait till conference play starts. uh, Yeah. For sure. I mean, because it's just you're seeing – you're just seeing so much inconsistencies, and uh, we don't really know. And so either way, it was a a fun – weekend in college football it was a fun weekend it was a fun episode without tim it was it was a lot of sanity <laughs> uh logical thoughts yeah maybe, maybe next week we will uh, return to some of the insanity yeah probably probably but you know it's always a pleasure being with you i'm i'm rooting for your sooners this weekend uh i appreciate it yeah we'll uh we'll see how it goes all right see you man <laughs>